G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. As we do on a Thursday, it's good to get an update on some of the biggest issues that are shaping our culture with Family Voice Australia. Charles is off duty today, but Daryl Budge, who is the Family Voice Australia State Director in Western Australia, is joining us. Hello, Daryl. Welcome along. Good to be with you now. Daryl, what's things like in your neck of the woods today? So you're in Perth, aren't you, as we're speaking to you? Yes, it's uh, quite raining today. Winter's finally arrived in WA, which is great to see. I think you've got a major front that's heading for WA, and uh, so some of the lovely weather you've had, I think you're about to get drenched. Is that the case? Yes, we are, yes. This weekend's (laughs) going to be very wet. (laughs) Daryl, let's talk about the big issues. And, of course, one of those that we've been talking a little about this week on 2020, the Religious Freedom Bill, of course, this is a debate that's been growing now significantly and it looks like it could come before the Parliament as early as July. Uh, what are your thoughts on updates of, of what is likely to happen with that? Yes, well, it looks like, um, given the Senate um, House of Reps results, that the government will have a mandate. Um, they'll have a working majority of one to bring it forward. Um, obviously, they've promised in the election to make religious discrimination unlawful, so they're just following through on election promise, and Attorney General Christian Porter has said um, here in the West Australian there's an enormous concern in religious Australia, and he says it will definitely book before the Parliament as early as July, in the first weeks of Parliament anyway, so it looks like it will definitely be, be coming up. Um, uh, we know that there's been a failure to prevent discrimination against religion, so um, it's good to see that those who are now uh, coming up with our, our majority government, they want to see a central recommendation of the road review implemented, which is that religious freedoms bill. We don't know the exact content of the bill yet, um, but we'll just wait and see what it is, and obviously we'll debate the issues when it comes up. Well, there may be some new controversies brewing too in preparation for the presentation of a bill like that. And I'm not sure whether you're across the sort of detail uh, that is being reported, but a report today in uh, the left-leaning Guardian newspaper saying that there are those on the conservative side in the coalition uh, who have been hoping for uh, something a little more significant uh, so far as the protection of religious freedoms. But the Attorney-General, Christian Porter, uh, saying that it'll be a very basic type of a bill to just uh, simply prevent discrimination. Are you aware of those sorts of looming debates that are going on within the coalition? Uh, I haven't seen that report yet today. Um, but, yeah, that's um, certainly the case. I, I know that um, not being a you know, strong friend of Religious Australia himself yet. Uh, I haven't seen that explicitly, so it doesn't surprise me that they would want to present a small target bill. Um, the working majority in the Senate is um, is tenuous. Um, they've got they will need four crossbenchers to get forward, uh, bring forward legislation in, in the in the Senate, 
and Labor themselves also can take four from the cost bench as well if they want to block any bill or amend any bill. So I think that's basically uh, seems to be a ploy to make sure they can get something through quickly in July. Um, and then I guess um, if there's further appetite, then they just add more amendments later. That's what I'm hoping. Um, that it, it doesn't surprise me that that's this particular tactic at the moment. And, of course, there is this aspiration uh, that there might be even bipartisan support for a bill. And if that was to happen, no doubt it would be a very basic uh, bill. And uh, But what are your thoughts for the possibility that, uh, that there might even be a Labor shift on this to actually support a bipartisan bill for religious freedom? Yes, there's certainly Labor... Uh Labor has stated that they've, they know they were hit on their religious freedoms uh, issues in the, in the election. Um, uh, Anthony Albanese has said that they're up to review their policies, but not, not up to review their values, which does concern me a little bit. But Chris Bowen has said people of faith no longer feel that progressive politics cares about them. And uh, Christina Keneally, their new uh, deputy leader, has said that well, they were seen as tone deaf in the, in the campaign on religious freedom. And she said, lost them on the more traditional touchstone culture and issues. I think it is because we were tone deaf. If you take the issue of religious freedom, I see a growing concern of people of faith and that in this Twitter world, the instant response world we live in, they are going to be ganged up upon. So, and she also cited the Israel Flau matter as well as something important in, in the campaign uh, that they lost on. So I think Labor will support a basic bill at the very least. And if there's Further things that can be added in amendments. I'm sure that uh, Erica Betts and uh, and other Christian members of the coalition will add amendments to the bill or try to. So we'll see how the horse trading goes in Parliament. Uh, let's get a few thoughts on Israel Folau in just a few moments. But before we do, of course, if there is a religious freedom bill that's presented in the Parliament as early as July, of course, getting anything through the lower house, that might be easier with a majority. But then uh, getting something through the Senate, uh, unless there is some sort of bipartisanship, uh, that's always a difficult process. Uh, is there any update that you might have as to how the Senate results are faring so far? Yes, yeah, so so far they've had about uh, 88% counted. Uh, it's predicted that the coalition will likely win about 19 of the 40 that were up for election at this at this time because only half the Senate actually comes up for election each time unless it's a double dissolution election, but it wasn't this time. Um, so, And they already hold 16 of the other 36. That means they probably have 35 or 76, which means they need an, an additional four uh, to pass any legislation, uh, so they need um, uh, in addition. Sorry, they will need in addition to one nation, which almost always votes with the coalition. So, coalition plus one nation forms a pretty good majority, um, close to a good majority, and they only need additional force. They might need sort central alliance, Corey Bernardi, and um, maybe Jackie Lambie as well. Um, so they may be able to get legislation through on that basis. And it seems to be a little bit easier run this time than um, last <laughs> last term of government. So um, it, it, it looks good. And the results are probably fairly pleasing for the coalition, really. 
Okay, so a more favourable Senate uh, facing the coalition uh, this coming term. Let's come to this issue on Israel Folau, and uh, we've been talking about the idea that he's been considering a legal appeal and it may well find its way into the Supreme Court. Uh, What are your, from your point of view, Daryl, at Family Voice Australia, about his possible legal options and uh, the likelihood? I think he's uh, due to make some sort of an announcement or decision on that in in this next day or so. Yeah, that's right. He hasn't eight um to actually appeal under the Fair Work Act specifically. Seems like he'll might appeal centrally under the section seven seven two, which basically says an employer must not terminate an employee's employment for one of the following reasons. And number F on that list is religion. So he could appeal on that basis, but he only has exactly a uh, a month, twenty one uh, I think it was twenty one days after a, a breach uh, uh, a termination to actually appeal. So he has until uh, June 8th, this Saturday, to actually appeal um, in the in the Supreme Court. Um, so we believe that he probably will appeal, and Senator Eric Betts also believes he can appeal under Fair Work Act Section 342 and 351, which prohibits adverse action and discrimination on the basis of an individual's religion. So we think there's um, quite a few avenues for appeal for him. It's just going to be interesting to see whether or not uh, state law might... Um, intersect with his appeal. I don't believe it's it's illegal to terminate somebody on the basis of their religion according to uh, New South Wales law. So it'll be interesting to see if that you know does um, hit his his, uh, his legal argument. Uh, it seems to be that his legal team that he's engaged with, whose uh, law firm McPherson Kelly, has said that they think we believe Rugby Australia and the Waratahs have acted unfairly and unlawfully. And they say he has several options available at this point. And so it seems like he has a a fair case to be heard, and I think he will pursue it. Um, It just remains to be seen what the exact arguments that will be used. Well, very significant, of course, that uh, if he does make that appeal, uh, that it goes parallel to the introduction of this religious freedom bill in the federal parliament, and uh, very significant that those two uh, those two stories are developing along the way. And uh, just before we move on, I mean, this is interesting too that uh, the Australian Rugby League is not so excited about uh, his thoughts about making a foray back into rugby league from the rugby union. And it seems to be that uh, yesterday, Peter Beatty, who is the uh, mm. chair of the ARL Commission, uh, he really, uh, uh, you know, put the uh, the clampers down on the idea that they'd be welcoming Israel Folau into rugby league. That does seem to be a little uh, unusual because uh, there's a certain sense here that the fear of what the sponsors will say or whether the sponsors will pull out if he is in uh, the whichever league he's in. Uh, that's a significant thing, isn't it? Because it seems like, uh, you know, the sponsors' dollars are governing who the best players can play for. Any thoughts on that at all, Daryl? Yes, that's right. It's, it's, it's extraordinary that Peter Biddy would use the, the term that we're an inclusive game and, and that would be the reason why we should have some of the religious belief for, from diverse ethnic origin uh, to to play in the, in the game. And there's a, a a huge amount of Pacific Islanders that play rugby, both for the league and for union. So it's extraordinary that both sides of the game would want to uh, demean or to to say something against the religious belief, the honest, genuine religious belief of some of their best players. Um, 
other thing that I thought was interesting is that six Rugby Australia sponsors were notified of their interest to Falau before um, uh, Falau himself was even served with the notice. Um, so it seems like the tail is wagging the dog in this case, that the, it's the uh, actions or beliefs of the sponsors that drive the policy of Rugby Australian and, and Rugby uh, Australian Rugby League, um, both codes, so it's very interesting. And just before I let you go, Daryl, another item, and this comes more close to home for you in Western Australia, the idea that palliative care doctors are taking a stand against euthanasia and a big pro-life coalition uh, rally coming up uh, as, uh, as as soon as September, uh, the Care Not Killing rally. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, on what's happening with the doctors and making a stand and saying uh, euthanasia is not what we want in WA. So here, here in WA we are, we are expecting a bill. Um, the Labor government here is very much in, in support of euthanasia and believing the cries of uh, the emotional appeals by some people that they fear that there will be some kind of suffering in their device. Uh, palliative care has advanced greatly and this is what these posts since 20. 16 of them in this letter and a few other doctors adding their names to make 21. Um, the top palliative care expert in, in probably WA Australia, Professor Douglas Bridge, is the lead person on this. And he basically argues that too many West Australians are experiencing uh, um, profound suffering. However, we know that specialist palliative care is... Um, we have too few full-time equivalents, um, people employment employed on palliative care. We have less than a third of the number required to meet national benchmarks. We have insufficient funding for palliative care. We need at least another $100 million per year spent on palliative care, both in staffing and education. And they also write in their letter, which was an open letter published in the West Australian, we do not believe a euthanasia or assisted suicide are solutions to suffering. We affirm our commitment to patients. We'll continue to care for them. And we know that palliative care is fantastic already and can also always be improved and that's where we should spend our money and our time in investing um, in what people are facing. Um, people are living longer, people are, are dying of more serious diseases um, more often um, but we know that we can provide better care um, and unlike euthanasia, palliative care aims to take care of total mind, body and spirit for patients and for their families. So that's what we want to see happen. And we've got a, a rally coming up on September the 4th here in WA at Parliament House, Perth. We invite everybody to come along. It's at midday, 12pm. Uh, it's on a day in which Parliament will sit. So we would like to see thousands of people turning out to Parliament House. Uh, that's Wednesday, September the 4th. And we'd, um, yeah, we're just basically a peaceful gathering of people saying we want more care for people. We don't want killing killing is um, an awful step and obviously it opposes the primary aim of, of medicine is to care for the patient in their suffering and uh, I don't believe, none of us really believe that ending doctors as well as us who, who oppose euthanasia none of us believe that killing is the answer to these things well, it's very important to understand that euthanasia is solidly on the agenda in WA, as I understand it also is in the state of Queensland, and uh, no doubt that'll be a 
topic of conversation and discussion about that uh, in the lead up to uh, how those state governments will be dealing with the issue. Uh, always good to get insights from Family Voice Australia and Daryl Budge, uh, thank you so much for being available today and I'll point people to the website familyvoice.org.au Daryl Budge is the Family Voice Australia Western Australian State Director. Daryl, thanks for being with us today on 2020. No worries, you're welcome. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.